podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, July the 3rd, which means tomorrow is America's birthday. Um, so you are, as you listen to this, it is Thursday. Um, hopefully, uh, not any kind of craziness has happened um, in the last 24 hours, though. I bet you, you of the future, uh, Virginia probably got some good news last night, didn't they? And if not, we'll, we'll I'll just edit this out and you just never heard it. Um, so yeah, this week we're going to do a little Q and a, um, I opened up the thread on Tuesday morning. I, I really appreciate everybody out there for submitting their questions. We won't get to all of them. We'll get to some of them and even sprinkle in a few of our own. Um, before we get started, uh, let me go around and introduce everybody up in uh, Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty well, Brad. Look, you're soothsaying again, man. This podcast has power. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. <laughs> Except the last time it was definitely not intended. <laughs> it just kind of happened. Uh, up in Arlington, uh, staff writer Justin Ferber's also on the show. How are you, Ferber? Doing well. Just signed for the mid-level exception. Coming <laughs> back for another year at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner, also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for our in-game updates, content items, and definitely not... Um, I guess now means I won't get the random uh, Cleveland Cavaliers LeBron tags on Twitter uh, that I used to get. Are we going to be Lakers corner now? I mean, I mean that other works. You know, I mean, look, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm having a I'm having a weird week. Okay, <laughs> I'm having a weird week. My team, it, my, not only am I changing teams, but now I have to I have to pull for Lance Stevenson and Rajon Rondo, who I watched get tossed from a top 100 game. He got multiple texts throughout the uh, week, but he definitely got tossed. And then they had to have this whole conversation about whether or not you could actually get tossed and like what happens when a coach gets tossed. Because these are like, I think they're G League refs that are like basically working these this camp to sort of prove themselves to the NBA. Wait, this um, was this year? Yes. Yeah, no, no. Like the other I week. I thought you yeah. meant like anecdotally like no, this no, no, happened no, no, no. Like in the past. No, 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 no. I watched it happen in front of me. He got tossed and then they basically had to figure out where to like, did, did he have to leave the court? Ultimately, John Lucas, who runs the event, um, came over and got him a chair and basically uh, he took he got a chair. He sat down. John Lucas did. And he basically told Rondo he had to be behind a certain line uh, behind the bench so he wouldn't coach. True story. Swear to God. Saw it with my own eyes. All right. Uh, so here's how we're going to do this. I, I'm going to read the question um, and the questioner as best I can. Some of y'all's uh, handles are just weird. Um, some of them are, make sense, um, like mine, which is just Brad Franklin. Um, we will answer the questions in not necessarily any sort of order. Um, I, I don't believe, I think I might have moved a couple around. I don't remember when I put the document together. Um, and I, like I said before, we're not going to answer every one. So if you ask one and it doesn't get answered, I'm I'm sorry. So let's start with, uh, oh my gosh, how do I say, um, SPR 1049 NCO3. Man, that is, I, I want to know the story behind that. All right. They ask, uh, looks like we'll have a more athletic lineup this year. Do you think it will lead to an increase in points per game? Uh, I'm going to assume that it's basketball. I, I, I read it the first time and I thought, you know, we should do, we should totally answer this question as if it's football and just see what would happen. Um, I'm going to start this one and say um, an increase in points per game. Technically, you would only have to increase it by, you know, an, an, uh, a decimal and it's an increase. I, I just don't know if you're going to see a consistent, uh, a consistently um, higher scoring team. I, I think it's going to be probably about what, what we've seen in the past. Um, I do think it's a more athletic lineup. I think as the season trends, the the, the question is going to be uh, where sort of Dre fits in 
Um, and I know Embrace the Pace asked a question about Dre, and I, I didn't want to get into it today because I think I want to see, I want to, I want to give a little bit more time for summer workouts and, and at least some practices before I start trying to guess how they're going to use Dre versus um, how they used him last year. But overall, I, I, I don't, if it increases, I don't expect it to be much. What do you guys think, Dave? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, you're, you're losing Devin Hall, who shot the three at a ridiculous clip. Um, and, you know, Dre is expected to get more minutes. Like, it, best case, he shoots the three at, at a similar clip than, than Devin, but I don't know how that really makes you score more. I think you'll see nights where the offense kind of explodes, especially, um, you know, when Mamadi's clicking and everything else and, and Ty and Kyle are hitting their deep shots and, and Dre's on. But, you know, Virginia's offense always comes down to efficiency. So I think you've got a lineup that's a lot more likely to touch the paint and, and shoot the two than just settle for the three. So make more shots. I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't bet money on it. My, my guess is you will see an increase in scoring this year just because I think the defense is going to be really good and, and force a little more on the turnover side. But I, I don't think it'll be drastic. I don't think we'll be like, oh, this is the year Tony set it free. What do you think, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, last year I was in the camp of I don't think they're going to play faster after that was a big discussion. Uh, I feel pretty good about what I said because they were 351st in tempo, and uh, in case you're counting, there were 351 teams in Division One last year. Um, so as far as that's concerned, I don't think we'll see much change. Um, I think they might have to score more next year because I think they're going to lose some, some of what they had defensively uh, with Devin and uh, Isaiah gone. Uh, I think that their defense will be fine. I don't think it'll be bad or anything like that, but I think that there will be a tendency to, you know, have a few more breakdowns. Um, Isaiah covered up for a lot of other people and, and made a lot happen with hustle plays. And then obviously Devin was able to lock down uh, other, you know, elite guards in the league. So I think they'll probably give up more. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think you might see a, a slight increase in points per game uh, just because uh, for one, I think they might just have to, if they, if they're going to win, um, they're going to be in more close games, more high-scoring games. Um, so I think that there might be a, a slight increase, but I think it'll be pretty similar to what you saw in in the past season. Yeah, I kind of feel like it, it's one of those deals where um, I, I, I almost think that like they're going to give up more points and therefore they might score more points. Um which sounds, I don't know if that sounds. If no, that that's exactly what out. that's exactly what I was saying. I yeah, think like they'll have to play like, higher scoring games. Yeah, it just or not just that, but I almost think it like in terms of like a tempo sort of um, ebb and flow of the game, right? That like in games where they have have historically maybe gotten stops, they're not going to get stops, and so they're going to be um, they're going to have more opportunities. Um, now, whether or not they can be as efficient, I guess, is the question, and that'll be something we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and I follow on the defense is going to be better than you think, side because it's always better than you think. Right. Uh, Brian L. Jordan asks, uh, aspects of special teams have been a weakness for some time, from coverage to field goal kicking. Do you think um, recruiting has adequately addressed this? If not, who should Bronco be focused on landing, and what should the coaching staff be con uh, concentrating on heading into the fall? I'll also start this one. I, I think that one of the things you can do to, to make your special teams better is specifically go after um, a punter, a kicker, and a placeholder. Excuse me, a, snap, a long snapper. If you, you want to go after a placeholder, I guess that's fine, too. Um, but realistically, those three spots um, are really the only thing I think you can really sort of recruit to. Otherwise, you you, you need to develop your your other guys. Um, I think the addition of the tenth assistant um, is important here. Um, Ricky Brumfeld will be, um, you know, special teams will be his baby in a way that 
you know, Kelly Papinga, I mean, he's trying to get, you know, guys, you know, at linebacker ready. So I, I kind of feel like that emphasis will be um, really interesting to see this year. I really like Hunter Pearson, who is the kicker um, that they're bringing in. Um, I still think, um, you know, in, in terms of punting, I, I think they're in a better spot. I, I think ultimately, though, what what Ricky's going to do from a special team standpoint should sort of align with what they've done in the past. I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of dramatic changes. That being said, you are going to see guys who are more accustomed to playing those roles. Um, and I think that experience will help. What do you guys think? Do you feel like special teams needs to be significantly improved or, or did get kind of going out and getting um, a really good kicker um, sort of calm that fear for you forever? Yeah. I mean, I, I think my short answer to this question is if you had asked me two years ago, I would have said, absolutely. They need to do something different with special teams. Now I don't really think so uh, because of the types of guys they were recruiting um, and the emphasis on special teams in general. Uh, I think, you know, these linebacker type athletes that, that Bronco is drawn to the big safeties who can move. Um, I think those guys are great fits on special teams, good tacklers, uh, I think you saw a, a pretty good increase. I mean, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, so I'm not forgetting something glaringly bad. But uh, I felt like the kick coverage units uh, were better this year. Uh, I thought that they really got to the ball quick and, and made a lot of plays there. Um, they blocked a punt or two, which is good. Um, they, you know, they punted the ball well, obviously. And then, yeah, I think they addressed the kicker situation. I think they tried to in the last class and they just couldn't really find a guy that, I mean, the guy that they originally took to punt was more of a kicker. Um, I mean, the other way around, sorry. He's more of a punter than a kicker. And so they ended up having to go with uh, the walk on Mejia. Um, and I think the, the, the kid they brought in in this class, Pearson, I think he's going to be good. And then they obviously just got another uh, highly rated coveted kicker recruit um, in this class. So as a priority walk on, so I think that they're, making strides. I, I think that this coaching staff is um, emphasizing special teams the way it needs to be. Um, I don't know if that was the case before um, and it's being coached better. So I think that you'll see some gains there over time. There's always going to be breakdowns. Every team, even good teams have breakdowns on special teams. It's not perfect. Um, but I think that UVA is, is heading in the right direction. Yeah. I, I agree with that too. I mean, to me, special teams is a, uh you know, as a part of the game that's going to change a lot over the upcoming years. I mean, you're seeing drastic changes to kickoff rules for next year. I mean, essentially a fair catch. You can fair catch the ball inside the 20 and get a touchback um, you know, right when we have Joe Reed. Um, but for me, it's, it's I, mean, I think this staff came in and they did a really good job of shoring up um, the punt return game. Like there wasn't explosive, but you didn't have that. Like you could breathe a little bit as a Virginia fan watching receive a punt the last couple of years, which wasn't something you could always do during the London era. Um, and they, they've recruited to it, obviously, like you guys said, and the 10th assistant, um, you know, place kicking is where they have to improve. So hopefully Pearson's the answer. They got Dunkel coming after him and it sounds like they pretty much told, I guess it's Dunkel's how you pronounce it. I'm always the one who has issues with pronouncing names for some reason, but I mean, I think they told Dunkel if he beat out Pearson, he'd get a scholarship. So Pearson is going to have to, uh, you know, have to come in and, and kick. Um, as far as punt return, when you got guys like you know, like they have, and and they're recruiting, um, you know, Kelly and Millage and all those kids, uh, you're going to have plenty of punt return guys. But I think the other thing that wasn't mentioned, you guys covered the good stuff. I think 
was the uh, you know being able to play four games and not burn your redshirt. I think that's going to be able to help a lot of teams and special teams. So if you're choosing to play some of your young guys, you're probably going to scheme them a lot to run special teams that game. So you're going to have a little more focus out of them. Um, so I think that's somewhere Virginia can kind of tweak the rules and you know continue to show improvement. But for me, it's you know the punting's been good, the punt return's been okay, the kick return's been borderline very good, um, if not great. So it's just it's place kicking. Before we move on to the next question, I do want to Dave's point about the the four game thing is actually that's really really smart because now that you have a tenth assistant whose whole job is just special teams, I can definitely see a scenario where there are times where they are lightening the loads and guys are in specific situations for specific plays. Uh, just you know what I'm saying? Like I can totally see a scenario where that extra assistant and having that extra bandwidth really helps him. Yeah. I don't want to go off on a tangent with that, but you know, we, we had kind of talked about it off air a little bit. You know, if you figure, I think Virginia's got what, 20, 22 kids or something coming in, in, in the fall. And let's figure like, let, let's say 10 of those guys are, are going to play consistently. And that, that might be high, but it could be low too. Um, so if you've got another group of 10, you're not sure who are going to play. Right. My guess is like when you decide, okay, this is the one of the games we're going to use them, you're going to get them as many snaps as possible. So right. you're going to have them scheme for everything. No doubt. Um, Forrest to ask, in, in terms of setting up the program for a title run or runs and or program stability in what looks to be a transitional year in 2020, is it better for the program to have Braxton Keys waiver approved or not? Of course, knowing it is better for the kid and family to have it. Um I don't know, Dave. Let me start with you. I'll let you let you go on first on this one. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, I think if I could see a crystal ball and say, "Hey, there's, you know, Kyle guy's not gonna, you know, have a great year, decide to go pro early, uh, and and um, Mamadi is gonna be around." Like, yeah, I like the idea of Key coming in the year after Dre, right? But there's also a part of me that says, you know, we got a lot of pieces this year, and if you could have that added bench depth, it certainly helps this year um and with with the issues virginia like the snake bitten nature of virginia basketball with with injuries i'm kind of torn on it man like if you told me hey they're going to be healthy i would say it sets them up better to have key kind of replace hunter when you've got ty and kyle as seniors um but that none of that's guaranteed so you know i, I think in a, in a if you want to if you want to maximize next year, you have key av- key available. I kind of feel like um, I kind of feel like you you don't take Austin you don't not take Austin Nichols because you think he might end up you know flunking out or getting kicked off the team, right? So you sort of have to assume okay injuries, all this stuff. You can't really look at it from that. I think about it like this: there's already going to be a transition piece where you're going from Devin Hall. Uh, and the minutes he gave you and the consistency he gave you and what you can count on to now leaning on DeAndre Hunter to be um, probably your three. Um, and like I said, that's a conversation I want to get into, you know, a little bit later down the road. But if in terms of key, imagine trying to figure that out, right? You're probably trying to figure Mamadi at the four, right? And now you have key in there. That's a lot of uncertainty all of a sudden. I think in a perfect scenario, you would you would kind of let guys sort of figure it out um, and and play through it, as opposed to having more options that you sort of have to you know um, to to utilize. I, I just think that maybe it's better if if if, if he doesn't get it. Um, but I also agree that it's you know never a bad thing to have a bunch of talented kids. Um, the implementation um, 
at least as far as I know, Virginia's program and the way Tony works, he likes experience. And I, and I, I mean, I'll say this too, and I, and I don't mean this as a, as a huge negative, but one of the things that, that became pretty apparent to me um, after Braxton picked UVA um, and, and that all that went down is that Virginia was very honest with him about not just like the way he could fit in and what it could mean, but also to like some of the work he needed to do. Um, and he was, and he, and he was very, um, what's the word? He was very, uh, open to that sort of feedback. I mean, he, he took it really in stride. I, I don't mean that to say that he couldn't play this year. Of course he, he could. And he, and he probably would be pretty, pretty daggone good doing it. But I also wonder, um, in these situations when there is such a change and transition, why not, you know, that extra time could be really, really big for him. Um, and I wonder if, given all of the particulars, if that wouldn't be the better option. Ferber, what do you think? Would you rather have him this year or would you rather uh, wait until presumably after Dre hit, heads to the next level? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd probably rather have him this year uh, just because, you know, like, let's say Dre goes pro. Um, when's the next time UVA is going to have a lottery pick talent on their team, right? I mean, it might not be right. for a while. So I'm, I think I would kind of want to maximize that as, as this year and then roll the dice. But, uh, I mean, if he doesn't get the waiver, it's not like a disaster or anything like that either because they didn't really – I don't think they were expecting him to get it, um, you know, when they when they brought him into the, the, the program. So I think, you know, if he gets it, then you can look at it this year and say like, oh, wow, this team could really be primed for a big run. And uh, as we know, anything can happen in the tournament, so who knows. But um, – even if he doesn't get it, I think you can still feel okay. Like, all right, well, this sets us up for the transition that we have to come. You know, if I was looking at it from a roster management perspective, it would probably be better um, for him to not get it, I guess. Uh, you know, you, you set yourself up for the next few years instead of really um, – you might be, in a sense, shortening the window if he gets it, but you might have your best team in that shortened window, if that makes sense. Uh, Arden would like to ask, could Malcolm Brogdon take Joe Harris one-on-one? What do you think, Dave? Yes. <laughs> Ferber, what do you think? I think so too. Um, I think Malcolm has shown that he can guard guys that are bigger than him. Um, so I think he would, I don't think he'd be getting like posted up. Um, and he's a better athlete than Joe. So I think, I mean, that kind of, uh, you know, negates that, but Obviously, as you can see through his free agent contract, Joe's getting uh, paid for a reason. So, I mean, I think yeah. he got $16 million over two years. So, um, good for him, obviously. But I think it would be a competitive game, though. Uh, but I, th- I think Brogdon could beat him. I don't know if he would beat him like, every time. Yeah, it's funny. I, 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 when I first saw that Arden asked this, I actually thought, man, it should totally be the other way around because I would take Brogdon every day twice on Sunday because um, Brogdon would just old man the crap out of Joe Harris. And I believe... Brogdon's a better defender, even against a guy a little bit bigger than him. Um, and Brogdon's right. got those long arms too. So like, even if he's at a size disadvantage around the rim, I mean, he can make up for it. Yep. Brad Franklin would like to ask if you could have one player in both football and basketball. And, and, and when I, when I say this, I mean, former UVA players or current UVA players to build a team around who would you have and why? Um, I will do you guys the honor of going first on my own question. Um, in basketball, I thought a lot about this, um, and I and I, and again, this is for UVA. So so presumably for Tony Bennett, right? I, I take Akil Mitchell, and I know that might sound ridiculous, um, 
but I would take Kill Mitchell. That dude just did everything. Um, and I, I just don't know. I, 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 even, especially now, like, I almost feel like if, if, if UVA had him now, they'd be even better, right? Because, like, he was so versatile and covered up so many warts um, that in this day and age, he would be even better, like, in this current brand of basketball at the college level. Um, why don't you guys give me, well, let's do basketball first and we'll go back to football. Ferber, if you could have one guy, former player, current player, to build a team around at UVA, what, what who would you pick? Brogdon. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that he can do a little bit of everything in, in UVA's scheme. Obviously, we saw that. He was ACC Player of the Year. Um, I think it kind of it kind of speaks to the same point you just made with Akil, how he brings a lot of intangibles. Obviously, Malcolm, uh, high-character player, very smart player, um, can guard multiple positions. That's important. Um, can shoot, can get to the rim, uh, elite defender, good free-throw shooter, um, you know, smart with the basketball uh, that's something he really improved on by the way throughout his career i don't think you could really go wrong with him he's somebody that i would trust uh to like if if tony uh couldn't make it to the game you know like he couldn't make it to the arena i think malcolm could run the show i mean I, that he's the type of guy that that i would want to build a program around because he's the he's a cornerstone type player right what do you think, I, Dave? I didn't know you were you limited this to Tony Bennett era, man. No, no, yeah, no, I, I wasn't. wanted to go with people that I saw play. No, I wanted to go with guys yeah, who I mean, the like, going to play. No, no. All right, here's the thing, though. No, there's no thing. No, no, hold on. Here's No, I'm not okay, but I don't. I'm not debating that. I just didn't yeah. go for him. Because, no, no. Like, I'm I'm going with the idea that like one, he's going to have to play in the pack line. Okay, not saying Samson couldn't play in the pack line. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm not. I I'm not saying that. I think he'll yeah, be fine. Yeah, yeah. He can move his feet. Okay. Um, but in this current generation, in this, I, I, I know that Ralph ha, ha, obviously had a lot. Uh, I just, I, I never watched Ralph. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to bail you out. I know what you're saying. Um, like, you know, you think of him as a back to the basket. Like, that, no, 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 that no, that's, that's, no, no, that's actually not what I mean. What I mean by that, what I'm saying is, is that like, I, I watched Akilah Mitchell in this specific defense and the and the kind of the the way the frame the way the question at least was framed um was you know to build a team around today right so that team would be built you know in tony's system i'm not saying ralph wouldn't have fit i just know i know how good akil mitchell was in this and to yeah. translate that to even more positionless basketball today i think he he would have been uh even better so that's all i mean i'm yeah, not trying to say that, that ralph couldn't get it got couldn't have gotten it done too but you're more than welcome to say ralph <laughs> Ralph would have done it. Like Ralph would have been absolutely ridiculous in the pack line. I mean, if you ever get a chance, if you have the time, go back. Like it's hard to find it because ACC vault is down. But when that comes back, just go watch like a whole game of what that guy did. I mean, he shot what essentially was three pointers all the time back then. Um, you know, he handled the ball. He he could play in the pack line and, and be amazing. So I thought it was a little bit easy. Actually, I played around with another one just thinking how he played for Tony, and that was John Crotty. Um, oh, that's a good one. I'd love to watch John Crotty play for Tony Bennett. Like the, their personalities are very similar and just the grittiness. You know, Crotty is kind of like London with, with the New York version of London. Um, he would have been fun to watch. But for me, you know, Samson seems the obvious one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Samson. I mean, he was the best player in the history of the program. But yeah, I just kinda, didn't, we were, I didn't I didn't say him because I figured somebody else would. And also, I never saw him play. So. Yeah, that's my yeah. thing is that like I didn't watch Ralph 
the way you know other folks may have. And I, I you know, like I said, I, I it know. It seems so obvious. Up. I didn't want to pick it either. So <laughs> y'all didn't uh, say it, so I had to. I will say uh, I'll answer him at first too. I, I would take Marcus Higgins, and it really for me was between him uh, and Sean Moore. Um, I'm sure somebody around here is going to be like, um, you know, Tiki gets some love, Thomas Jones gets some love, uh, Chris Long gets some love, but. Uh, to me, it, it's it's either Hagen's or, or Sean, and I, I don't know, man. In this day and age, Hagen's would have been an absolute beast in a read option offense. Would have been an absolute beast. What do you guys think? Who, who's your football guy, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I kind of batted around. I mean, the quarterback position is so important in today's game. Like, it's hard to overlook those. And, you know, Matt Shaw makes a lot of sense for what he did at UVA, but the way the game's trending, like, I lean more towards Sean. Um Biscuit a little bit. Like, I just would have liked to see what Sean could do in a more wide open offense. I mean, that offense he played in was pretty slow. Um, but, you know, there's a part of me that says, thanks, linemen, too. I mean, Dombrowski, Roberts, DeBrickish. You would Shaw, pick a lineman a whole in this team. question, you nerd. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, honestly, I ended up going with Dexter, Poindexter. Oh, I mean, yeah. I think, I think Dex was before his time. Yeah, you're right. I Imagine think Dex, like, playing in the box now against the read option. He would kill dudes. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with Poindexter, even though like because of the importance of quarterback, it's hard to. Uh, Ferber, what do you think? This is a tough one. Um, I considered a few different guys. Obviously, quarterback was kind of the obvious one. Um, I was gonna say Hagens too. That was another one of the guys. I, I think the running backs they had were more talented. Uh, I don't really know if you build a program around a running back though. Um, so I ended up going with, and this is assuming that Bronco is the head coach. I went with Ahmad Brooks. It's kind of an off-the-wall – I mean, it's an off-the-wall choice, but I think I think with the scheme that they run, him in the middle linebacker, Kaiser role, and then you can put him – Kaiser role, I didn't even mean to do that. Um, <laughs> and, and you can also put him on the edge. Um, I think that – I think you could have something there. Um, obviously, he had some off-the-field issues that um, – you know, limited his production down the road in his career, but assuming that those things didn't exist, um, I think the Broncos system, like uh, the offense, you know, we'll see what happens this year. But I think if they can have a competitive defense, like we saw at times last year, I think that they can win. Uh, so I wanted to anchor that defense with a linebacker. Yeah, I would agree for his his own his own field play when he was on. Like, yeah, but I mean, the off the field stuff kind of scared me away from Brooks. Like. I played it with Brooks. I played around with Brooks and Daryl Blackstock. You know, yeah, Blackstock you know. would have been a beast. And then you know, there's so many, you know, there's so many good guys. God, but yeah. All right. I, I would just love to see Poindexter playing kind of that hybrid role. I also, I, thought, I also thought like what Broncos staff could do with Chris Canty. Oh yeah, yeah. Like or he was Gerald, so good before he got Jeff hurt. Fitzgerald. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's another that's another yeah, that's another podcast in and of itself. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's move on. Um, um, I'm going to skip a couple here that were on our list because we're 30 minutes in and I expected this to be like a 40 minute podcast and we still have a bunch of questions to go. Um, whose balls ask what present UVA athlete will provide the best grab your popcorn montage of highlights in the end of their season for the upcoming academic year. Um, I think it's going to be Alameda Zacchaeus. Um, just give me, just give me some names, Dave. Uh, Bryce Perkins. Ooh, oh, I, God, I forgot about him. Sorry, Bryce. Uh, Ferber football only. Football or football or basketball? Okay. Uh, football, I'm going to go Joe Reed. Okay. Um, also, I'd like to throw in a random one that might not even play this year, Tavares Kelly. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. If he plays, he'll have highlights. Yeah, he um, basketball, DeAndre Hunter. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. I like how you. I like how you you went you went uh, both sports as opposed to just one. I, that, when I read the question, that's what I thought he meant. That's okay. No, it's okay. Yeah, I thought he meant. It's, didn't he say male or female or something? Yeah, I, I tweaked the question because we don't we cover football and basketball, so I'm not really you know I'm not going to try to pretend like I cover sports I don't cover because I don't like to do that. Yeah. Um, NWG182 ask if the one and done rule is eliminated, what kind of effect will that have on the program? I legitimately don't think it has much of any effect other than the ACC is going to be a lot harder depending on how long teams, how, how long kids actually have to stay in school. Um, and I don't know if we need to di- dive into that one any deeper. I just, I don't think it will change UVA in much there. They, they do recruit some one and done kids, but obviously haven't had one. Um, it just, I think would, it would make the ACC a tougher conference and college basketball as a, as a whole would be stronger because of it. What you also might have down the road are the trickle effect, which is more highly rated players, not having immediate, uh, playing time at one of the factories because there are other players there. Um, and so how that sort of shakes out in terms of where those kids go and how that impacts like the high four star kids and that kind of thing. But realistically, I don't think it would have much of a, a difference uh you guys got anything to add on that yeah i would just say it depends on what what the alternative is you know do they have to wait two years or three um you know if it's three years i think you'll start to see a little bit of the football effect where players will go anywhere they can get playing time because they're going to be on tv anyway um i i do think the the interesting part would be you know whether it forces guys like coach k and roy williams to be like you know what well, Roy, not so much, but Kay, maybe Kay says, you know what? I, maybe I've had enough now. <laughs> I'm just going to leave. So um, that's my pie in the sky thought. On that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to say ahead of time. Um, I think you could see a slight increase in UVA's recruiting um, if it's two years, just because uh, they might be able to convince a guy or two that, you know, is a one undone caliber player that, that they're better off playing two years in his system, you know, Tony's system and then going pro. Um, rather than being behind, you know, Marvin Bagley or whoever at Duke. Um, but I do think you end up, you might end up seeing some more super teams. Um, I think this, this idea, it's not the most popular with everybody, but like the idea of what the Warriors are doing, where it's just like, let's just get all the best players on the same team. I think some recruits are going to gravitate towards that idea. And you're already kind of seeing it with Duke and Kentucky and a couple other schools. Um, I think you could really see that if, if guys have to stay two or three years, because then, you could, you could see teams that are just absolutely dominant. And yeah, yeah. like Brad said, I think the, the ACC becomes a juggernaut if that happens because, you you know, Duke is still going to get guys whether they have to stay one year or two. And, but the thing is, there's probably going to be some guys that go straight into the NBA if that's the rule. Um, if they don't have, like, if they decide to just let guys come into the NBA from high school, that, so then you might not see the best of the best play in college basketball at all. Or they might go overseas instead right. of going to college for two years. Or LeVar Ball League. LeVar Ball's yeah, League we're not might talking guess about him. him. Um, Never lost. <laughs> yeah. The, but the other thing is, to Ferber's point just a second ago, that if the if the, if the the upper echelon kids did go to the NBA, that would basically leave the Dukes and Kansas and Kentuckys of the world to pick off the high, the, the maybe the lower five-star higher hunters. And so basically those yeah. – then, then Virginia goes from trying to recruit in the top 50 to maybe trying to just recruit in the top 50. Um or excuse me, top hundred. And so it could be, uh, it could be, it, it would be interesting The question. It, the question is hard to answer until we know what it's being replaced with. Is it one year? Is it two years? Is it three years? Like what, how long are guys going to have to be, have to be in college? Because ultimately the college game will be better the longer they have to stay. I, I really do believe that. Yeah. And one last thing, um, 
what you just said is so true. Um, if you know, if they like like the Marvin Bagley's of the world go straight to the NBA, Duke will eventually start taking the other guys that are at the top of UVA's board, which is true. But I think that could actually end up benefiting UVA because teams that don't make the most of their talent will have less talent to make the most of. Right. And, or fail to do so. And UVA right. has proven that they can take guys from like three-star rankings to the NBA. So they, them, I'm not saying it's going to help their recruiting, but if everybody has less talent to work with, I think UVA will still see similar results and some other teams will not. Right. All right. This might be, this has to be without a doubt, my favorite question. Um, and, um, and of course it is, uh, BB Cassidy asks if you could make one trade from the anticipated starting five in basketball, which active NBA player would you take and who would you give up? So we're going to work from the assumption. NBA or NCAA? What did I say? Did I say NBA? <laughs> NBA. I meant NCAA. Yeah, I, I think LeBron. Uh, yeah, I give up Jack Salt and take LeBron. <laughs> no. Um, I, we're going to assume that the five starting five would be Ty, Kyle, uh, Dre, Mamadi, and Jack. All right. That's what we're, we're going to assume that those are the five. And we also, I, I want to just say, I want to make sure this is clear. Like, you can't just give up Jack Salt and take a point guard. Um because that's not how basketball works even today, at least in the pack line. Okay, Ferber, if you you could you trade one guy away, who who are you getting and who are you giving? Okay, it has to be a starter. Has to be one. Yeah, if you could make one yeah. trade from the anticipating starting five, and you get one player from anywhere in the country. Okay, this is a, such a tough question. It, it's it's a great question, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Um. I would probably have to trade Jack. I know that people take that as disrespect. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Um, and I, I'm trying to make sure I don't forget anyone. Um, maybe Kanate from West Virginia. Yeah, that would be interesting. Place. I love the guy from Gonzaga, uh, Hachimura, but he's more of like a wing. He's just a big wing. Um, I know he's projected to go pretty high in the draft next year. Uh, but I guess that's what I would go with for now. I, I'm pretty good with the guards they have. All right, Dave, what would you do? I mean, I kind of read the question different, so uh, you are, you I guess are always read consider... the question in a way that's not supposed to. Be. No, I'm thinking like incoming recruits. I mean, th- that's who I was kind of. If you, if you could make of. one trade from our anticipated starting, five, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. How, how did you mess that up, man? No, it's active NCAA player. So I was thinking incoming freshman. Okay, well, okay. and that's who I'm going to use. Um, cause I like it better. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I personally would trade Mamadi, move Dre back to the four and bring in RJ Barrett to play to three. <laughs> Smart. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, I think I would trade Mamadi and bring in Eric Pascal. Interesting. Um, mainly because like, he gives you all of what Dre, the best of Dre last year gives you, but he's he's bigger and tougher. Does that make sense? Like he's, you know, he's two hundred and fifty pounds, man. Um, I just think Virginia having a two hundred fifty pound physical dude who shoots threes would just be like hot knife through butter. Um, so I would trade, and then I, I mean, you put him in Jack Salt. You you try to let him do the pick and pop. Good good luck trying to stop it, especially when you've got Dre who can take you inside outside, and you've got to account for Kai. Uh, shoot me for Kyle and, and then Ty shooting. I just think that you you give me that trade, they're going to win a natty. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. Um, all right. Brad Franklin would also like to ask, if you could change one UVA result, all right, football or basketball, 
what would you change and why? So that when I say result, um, you can't see the document, but it's in quotation marks. So that means uh, a loss. It means a recruitment. It means an injury. Uh, means a coaching change. So some result, something that happened to the football basketball team um, that that would have changed their trajectory. What would you change and why? Dave, let's go to you. What would you change and why? Unless you somehow misread this question too. <laughs> no, I didn't really misread that question. I just wanted to pick RJ Barrett, man, to play the three with Dre. Um, so here's my thinking on this. Like, yeah, there's so much. You know, I've been, I'm, I'm in my 40s now. I mean, I, my first Virginia game was in the early 80s. I've seen a lot. Um, so my first thought was like, go back, go back to the Final Four, like 81, 84. Maybe not lose that first game, make the championship game. Like, what would Virginia basketball do be now if they hadn't lost that their first Final Four game and they won a championship? And then, like, well, no, then, then you got to assume they won the championship game after they got by that loss. And then it was like, maybe it's Justin not getting hurt a couple years ago, Dre not getting hurt last year. And then I was like, maybe it's any of one of the last 14 Virginia Tech games. But, look, it, it's Syracuse, man. <laughs> That's what it is. I mean, just the conversation around this basketball program, as much as that loss, and we've talked about it, that – like that loss doesn't haunt me as much as it haunts some Virginia fans. But if if Tony Bennett had made the Final Four, hadn't lost that game against Syracuse, I'd just like to – I'd like to see where the program is now. At least, you know, it's in a pretty good place. But, you know, if Tony had that, hey, I've made a Final Four thing, like what does recruiting look like now? What is what is a lot of – a lot of the stuff we can't know. I'd just like to see it. So for me, selfishly, it's the more modern – Lost the Syracuse loss. That's very fair. Ferber, yeah, what are your thoughts? That's it. <laughs> that that's the one. Um, <laughs> if I want to do a Dave just said everything I said. I mean, they might have won a national title that year if, if they won that game. So, um, the one I, I'll I'll say something different just to make it interesting. I, I just thought of this while Dave was talking. Two thousand four Florida State. UVA was ranked sixth in the country or something like that, undefeated. Florida State was in the top ten. UVA went down to Tallahassee and got the brakes beaten off of them, like 36 to 6 or something. Yep. Um, and it was bad. But imagine if they had, like, won that game. I mean, they would have been, like, a top two or three team in the country, and who knows? I mean, that, that season might have gone differently. I don't think they lost again until they, they lost that home game to Miami pretty late in the season that year. I, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but – yeah, that was the best UVA football team I've seen probably. I mean, no disrespect to the 07 team that went 9-3, and three, but that team was getting by on the skin of their teeth. Um, this UVA team, I mean, at the beginning of the year anyway, they were beating the crap out of teams. I remember they beat Clemson really good on a, on a Thursday night. Um, they rolled through their non-conference schedule. I think they beat Carolina like 52-10 to 10 or something like that. Um, and, and, you know, that season didn't end up being – the end all be all because they ended up going like eight and four or whatever. But I think if that game had gone differently, maybe the season goes differently too, but, I, but it's the Syracuse game. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought about the Syracuse game too, and I knew one of you guys would choose it. So I decided not to choose it. And I set myself up to answer my own uh, question uh, second for or last for a reason. I thought about uh, Willie Davis. I thought about um, um, Amart. I thought about Peter Lalek's career. I thought about a lot of these random sort of um, this was supposed to be a big thing and then it just wasn't deals for UVA football. Um, you know, I thought about um, 
Philip Sims. Well, you, well I, I I didn't go there because I, I try not to um I try not to to jinx the podcast anymore. Um, can't I still cannot believe we did an emergency episode for that, and then nothing that whatever came out of it. Um, I thought about retaining Mike London for another year. I thought about because I mean, who would the coaching candidates have been then? I thought about um, you know, Dex getting hurt when he did. Um, what that could have meant for for that season or even his career. Um, but it for me, it was it was it it basketball was just more you know Corey Alexander spraining his ankle. Um, you know the Syracuse game. I, I mean, I think we all agree the Syracuse game would have just been a massive thing um, because of how not just the, the situation, but how close they were. Um, so, but I'm going to go with uh, uh, the recency bias since you guys have very well covered um, the the Syracuse loss. Uh, Dre in his hand and his wrist. Excuse me. You know, if if um, if Elijah Thomas doesn't foul Dre and he breaks his wrist, what what does that team do in last year? Because that team was, I mean, they were, they 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 were really good. Um, and it and I'm not a believer in the idea that the only reason they lost when they lost was because Dre was hurt. I do think that that it was their first game without him. I think the 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 injury. And the way that the matchup um, sort of went with UMBC, um, it it was it was the perfect storm. But but Dre's injury was at the center of it. Like it was the eye. It was the thing around which the storm coalesced. And that to me will always be um, a, a what if. Um, you know, I I I think you guys have mentioned a lot, and I still think the Syracuse game is probably the right one. But I'm going to go with uh, with Dre's wrist. Yeah, before we leave that one, like just some that I had on the peripherally, peripherally that didn't get mentioned, um, like the nineteen ninety Georgia Tech game. You know, what what does Virginia become if they win that game and on national TV? Do they make a run to you know a, a national title? Um, and then one more recent. Uh, Justin got it got close. The 2007 Virginia Tech game. Yeah, that one was Virginia in my thought process too. But you know, Virginia wins that. They're playing in the ACC title game. Yeah, like that's true. That probably like changes a lot of the trajectory of the Joe Grow program. They're just so yeah. I just didn't know how that, that was the most depressing question I've ever. I just didn't see as much positive from that win as the 04 one because the 04 one it would have been kind of catching the wave where they were still recruiting really well. I think in 07, yeah. the damage was kind of done and they got through it with one good team. And then I don't know. I mean, I think they still would have been bad the next two years. Like, And then the, the last one I had was on my list before I narrowed it down was last year's Virginia Tech game. Like, like what, what, you know, what would we be talking about now? If Bronco had beat Fuente in his second year, like, you know, is Virginia getting some of these recruits? You know, you know Virginia's having a good year, but would it be different? Well, would that have it changed their bowl picture significantly? Like, yeah, we wouldn't have been in Annapolis. I mean, would have been the same, been right? Great. So, I mean, I mean, if we assume that that they win that game and then get the, the brakes beat off of them by Navy, then probably not. Um, I don't think they end up in Annapolis if they beat. Them. Yeah, and then me and Brad wouldn't have had to freeze our ass off in Annapolis, regardless. <laughs> hey, there were people. We didn't, we didn't pay to there be there. Were actually people <laughs> who had, like UVA fans of that game who like didn't leave, and I still have to this day the most amount of respect for people who sat in those stands the entire game. If you if you are listening to this podcast and you sat in the stands that day, my hat is off to you. You are you are way better human being than I am. 
All right. The last the last question of the night comes from one one uh, one David Spence. I don't know if we know him. Um, what are you your favorite UVA plays? Uh, he said he wanted to do top five. I I decided we're going to do one football, one uh, basketball um, each. And if you have some some you want to talk about some other ones, you can. Uh, I'll go first because I, I get to to do that. Um, I would say uh, the hook and ladder against Georgia Tech. Um, just because where I happened to be standing that game, um, it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Um, uh, basketball wise, I, I would say the Joe Harris three, uh, in the ACC tournament, that dagger, uh, was just something. Um, it was, it was like the moment I was like, Oh wow. Like this, wow. This is really happening. Um, and I never thought I'd see that. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to make myself sound like some, you know, uh, tortured Cubs fan, but like I just legitimately thought I would never see Virginia win an ACC title, and the fact that we were there just continues to blow my mind. But those those would be if I had to pick one, uh, those are the two. Um, well, I don't know. Would I really take the hook and ladder? I I love that Chris Long sack against Maryland, the one that always makes all the highlight clips. Um, I don't I don't I don't I, don't, I mean it's not it, you know consequential whatever whatever. Um, but man, that I think because of the moment in my life as to when that hook and ladder happened and where I was and how I saw it happen, I, I, I think I might just pick that. Uh, Ferber, we'll go to you. What are what are your two or your your two minimum? Okay, uh, I'll do basketball first. Um, gonna keep it pretty recent. Uh, I, the whole sequence of how they beat Louisville in the regular season this year was was pretty remarkable. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, including the shot itself, which was awesome. Um, other basketball plays, uh, uh, Brogdon's buzzer beater ish at Pitt was huge. Uh, Thompson's buzzer beater against Wake. Hold on, and then Brogdon running down the court. Yeah, like, that was really no that, that's, the, that's the worst part of that of that video is how he reacted to it. It's so on brand though. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, obviously going back a little further, Singletary's dagger runner thing against Duke. Um, football. You know, this is interesting. There's a lot of weird plays that have happened. Um, the the fake field goal against Virginia Tech that pretty much sealed the game, um, that sticks with me. I was at that game. Um, and, uh, and, you know, a play that always sticks with me, but it's not like – most people probably don't even remember that this happened. Um, but for some reason this play I, – I, it was like the most shocked I've ever been watching a UVA game that this happened. Um, they were playing Notre Dame a few years ago and they did a play where it was like a reverse and they went back to Johns and he threw like a bomb to Keon Johnson who was wide open. And it was like the first creative play Steve Fairchild had ever run. And I was, Oh yeah. And they, they got the lead cause they were huge underdogs in that game. And I was like, is this happening? Like, are they really in this game right now? Um, it was a crazy play, a sequence of events that happened and, Oh, one last thing. Um, Brad, you mentioned that dagger, Joe, Joe Harris three, that definitely would have been on the list for me. Um, I mean, we were sitting right in front of it, which made it even more like that's the way it looks in my head. Not like the way it looked on TV. Exactly. Yeah. I see it on TV and I'm like that. Wait, that's not how it were, how it happened. I just I remember being like, Oh, like, cause London had the ball in the corner and I was like, well, Joe is right in front of us and nobody tracked back down the court. And then he saw it. And, and then I was like, Oh, he's going to pull up. And then we both kind of looked at each other like, oh, shit. Uh, sorry. Yeah, we did. You can edit that out. No, it's okay. You're fine. Uh, we're 47 minutes in. But uh, we were like, they're going to do this. Like, they're about to win this game. Um, 
Uh, yeah, and that that's kind of one of those things that it kind of puts things in perspective for me a little bit because it helps remind me that how much bad basketball we had to watch over the years and that even though everything that went wrong in the NCAA tournament this year, we still have gotten to see, and even for me and you even luckier, I mean, two in-person ACC tournament wins and another finals. Right. Yeah, that's true. All right, Dave, your question. I'm I'm sure you have a doozy here. Excellent question. Yeah. <laughs> I really yeah, hope it's happening in 1945. Folks, I'm about to go on for 10 minutes. Um, but we'll start with football. Like, there's so many like individual. Like, you know, Virginia's struggled the last decade. Let's be nice. They've struggled. Is that you know, really? Just, I wasn't we'll call aware. it a decade. Yeah. Um, just so many plays for me that, like, you know, when, when you suffer like that, like this one, even on my list, but even the late touchdown against Georgia Tech last year. Like the sheer joy of that long touchdown pass to put Virginia up, and you're like, "Oh my God, we're going to be bowl eligible!" Like after the couple years of few bad years there, like that play, like when you're a fan and those moments happen, like it's one thing to see them on TV, and that doesn't cheapen them. But to be there in person, like that game that night and that weather, it, that moment was surreal. Um, didn't even make my list. Like that's just crazy. Like. For me, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but you know the ninety Clemson game was the first big game I attended. Uh, Chris Slade had a sack strip late in the first half. Virginia was down seven three. From that point forward, Virginia went on to dominate one twenty to seven. Like that play, that was crazy. That was the, the you know Virginia at that time had a had a um, Scott Stadium had a capacity of forty two thousand, and the announced attendance that game was almost forty seven. I mean that that crowd was you know that was a fun game. Um, being there in 95 when they beat Florida State, like just remember being in the stands. You know, you have to think about that time. Virginia didn't have – there was no replay. You couldn't look to see what happened, right? I mean, there was a little like ball – you know, the scoreboard had like the the animations on it, which were really cool when your high school Absolutely. didn't Absolutely. But um, you didn't know it wasn't a touchdown. Like we – at that point, I'm rushing the field. Like I really didn't know they had – I th- something happened. Dude, I, I didn't see any Dex, touchdown signals. Dex erupted, and I was—I I mean, it was right there in front of me. And I, Dex erupted, and that was—that was all it was. Yeah, and it was that moment was surreal. Um, the '98 game against Virginia Tech, like all the plays that had to happen in that second half for that comeback, like the the sweet interception returned when when Virginia Tech was about to put it away um, for good, and then the Thomas Jones like diving catch, and then the Ahmad Hawkins like. Um, screensaver shot, as I call it. Um, but for me, it's um, I'm so torn. For me, it's the goal line stop. Just being there, um, the goal line stop against FSU. That was such a huge moment. Of you know, I was 19. I'm oh, sorry, do the math. I was 21 at the time. Like that was a, it was amazing. Um, for basketball, even though I've seen a lot of basketball over the years, for me, it's still the Joe Harris, like you guys said. You know, I've been going to Virginia basketball games for almost 30 years before they won the ACC title in my presence. Um, you know, 76, I was two years old. So being there, we were all in Greensboro that day. And yeah, I remember like you guys, guys were saying, like, we were going back to do the post game stuff when we were like, did that just happen? <laughs> yeah. But we, we were standing behind the Duke bench, like the pass to Joe was like across, you know, diagonal from us. And it was the most no, 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 yes moment in the perfect time. Like, Oh, it was. Oh my gosh! I, I almost feel bad for Virginia fans or a fan of a sport who doesn't have a moment like that. Like, yeah, the feeling of that seeing that ball go through was complete euphoria. Ferber, what about 
what about watching Ty Jerome and Cameron dot that eye, right? Yeah, that was crazy. And, and but the thing was, I just remember thinking like that was a huge shot, but there's a lot of time left. Like, yeah, that's true. It was it? Yeah, you're right. Like, but I mean, it was just like put him up like no, four I want to or five, and I was like, I know. Uh, I'm trying to give you crap because you were there and I wasn't. Yeah. See, we're we're talking about all these moments that we've seen in person, and that would have been one I would have. Of course, though, if if I had been there, they would have lost. So that game had like five or six. I don't remember everything that happened in that game, but that game had like five or six moments where I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, there was the play where uh, DeAndre got hurt, uh, where he got like an and one to the rim, basically. Yeah. He got hurt. Yeah. There were a couple big blocks um, at the rim, and it was like a, it was a crazy, crazy game. Um, and then the Duke had that like 12-2 run or whatever where they were just – going nuts um but yeah that was that was pretty crazy to see the, the the moment where it hit me was when kyle made the two free throws and then i was like oh they're about to win <laughs> like because i was still waiting for them to lose i was still like how is duke gonna win this one because uva doesn't win it <laughs> it's funny though because as, as you do this a lot of times you're like oh wow they're really gonna win this okay because you're, you're sort of always expecting the other shoe to drop well, ty, oh. ty made the three and the moment where i first was like i was like wow that was huge and then they got a stop or like the ball went out of bounds. And I was like, oh, wow, now they might actually win. You know, like they, they're going to win this game. But then Duke kind of crept back into it. But, yeah. It, the funny thing with UVA football, though, I was just thinking this while you guys were talking. The plays that I remember the most are bad. Like, because it's just – because some of – but they but they weren't – I'm not even saying that from like a everything's bad all the time perspective. I'm saying like they've had some crazy stuff happen to them in the last few years. I like the Notre Dame play. It, no, 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 no. Let's not do yeah. the no. This has been a good positive <laughs> yeah. end of the podcast. Let's not go through all these things that people got their hearts ripped out. No, you're right. You know, right. or dumb or dumb stuff. But some of the, I, just, I just mean those plays aren't like memorable for UVA fans. Like it's like memes. Yeah. No, but but here's the thing though that uh, when I when I first read Dave's question, he said favorite, and I thought like we should change it to memorable because then we could we could have some balance to it. But then I was like, you know what's really memorable to me is that there was a moment in that Boise State game that night um, where I was just like, oh, God, like there's like a whole lot of game left. And this is already just a complete dumpster fire. And like I was sitting there going, my life is over. like this is awful. Like we, I think is, we stopped the, we stopped covering the game in like the second quarter. I mean, we were just was, sitting was, in the press box waiting for it to end. I mean, and then for them to come back and exactly, that's always been the weirdest dichotomy for me. Right. Is it like, then they bounce back next year, like just as surprised as you were for them to get boat raced there. You were, you know, surprised they were doing the boat racing. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll close it up on that note. Want to thank again, everybody out there who submitted questions. Uh, apologies. If we, we did not get to yours, feel free. The next time I would like to do this pretty regularly, especially during the summer. Um, I want to thank uh, Dave and Justin uh, for giving graciously of their time as always. Again, if you're somebody who uh, found the podcast and then came to the site and subscribed, uh, please give us a, a, a review. That certainly helps. And if you're somebody who listens to the podcast but haven't checked us out, give us a look. Um, there's lots of content and crazy people to talk to about all of these sorts of plays um, on the message board. So give us a look, castcorner.com. Again, I want to thank uh, everybody out there for su- continuing to support the show. I want to thank uh, Dave and Ferber for being on it and um, answering so many questions and, and even submitting their own, even though Ferber really didn't. Um, so, uh, so yeah, for uh, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.